and welcome in to the Up and Smoke Ball Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Stopsky. Got a hell of a show for you guys today. Uh, I have Ryan Hickey of CBS coming on, talking some college football. I have Western Michigan at the tackle, Hoshi Hashi Badri coming on. It's a big college episode today. We're not going to really talk about the NFL a ton. Um, another Sean Watson stuff came out and the suspension is in, but looking at Aaron Wilson's tweet last night about uh, the NFL might appeal it, I'm going to hold up on talking about that until we have some more clarity. So today, all college football, uh, and we're going to jump right into it because there are two very good interviews. So first, the producer of the Zach Gelb Show and a host on CBS Sports Radio, Ryan Hickey. Hickey, how's it going, man? Thanks for joining me. Matt, thanks so much for having me on, man. Really do appreciate it. It's a lot of fun. Dude, it's been a long time. Man. I haven't seen you in a couple of years now. I know. I'm glad, you know, it's in this virtual world we're living in. I'm glad it's better than nothing. But you're right. It's been way too long. So thanks for having me on this. Just uh, very, looking very forward to it. Oh, dude, man. My pleasure, dude. But I, I remember us uh, you know, hanging out, meeting each other at CBS back you now, doing the, the part-time grind. Now you're a big-time producer. Congratulations on all the success, man. Like, you're, you're killing it out there. I don't know about big time, but thank you. Yeah, we've come. We both come a long way since our uh, late weekend nights spending Friday, Saturday, Sunday nights, not at clubs, not at the beach, but you know, grinding away uh, in the studio for sure. So we both come a long way. Wait, is, is that not usually fun to to cut up like uh, NBA tape at one o'clock in the morning? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, not I'm how so you confused. you envision your weekends going. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we know you make the show, not Zach. I, you know, it's, it's okay. Um, you can tell him I said it. But uh, <laughs> trying to get me fired here. <laughs> Before we even get going, <laughs> All right, well, let's jump into college football. The season is right around the corner. Um, you know, about like three weeks away um, from from actual games. Uh, week zero, one of the best weeks I, of the year. Let's I go. I know week week zero is just amazing. Uh, so let let's hop into like a more big conversation. Let's, let's start with the realignment, right? Because that has dominated college football talk for the last uh, I don't know, like two months. Really, the last ten years, but like it's been very, very busy the last two months with the USC uh, UCLA talk. Uh, obviously, we already had the uh, Texas Oklahoma talk. Um, I have spoken about how I love this because I think uh, the one thing I always hear from from college football purists is that you know, we're losing the the local rivalries, right? Uh, but in order to get back to those local rivalries, we have to get this mega conference. That way, they can resplit into their local rivalries again, right? Like there is no way of getting those back without doing that major structure. But as you, as someone who actually follows a team, how is this impacting you, and and how do you view this? Um, so I'll say twofold. Like I said, rooting for Penn State, so being you know a, a Big Ten guy, it's mostly I'll like say eighty percent exciting because now, like for me, like one of the things I love about college football, and one of the things I wish we saw more is more expansion when it comes to opponents like for example the big 10 plays nine conference games so only three non-conference games i love like for example this year they're playing uh, at auburn me and my friends have been looking forward to this trip for literally five years when they announce it so i love these like one-off matchups that we feel like we don't get enough in college football because so many times they just want to schedule cupcakes and you only get too many big time matchups outside of conference so now obviously this is going to be a conference game soon but adding new blood in usc ucla Oklahoma, Texas, going to the SEC. Like I personally love the matchups we don't see too often in the regular season because it's just it's fun, it's different. 
So I think it almost brings a little, you know, extra juice and extra energy. So I'm excited for the most part for USC UCLA to come. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Selfishly, now it's, you know, an, another trip you can kind of add and go out to Southern California in the fall uh, and have an excuse to do so. But to your point, I think for the most part, it's good. Like my only frustration, or my only worry is, like you said, some of those, some of those smaller local rivalries that have so much history that do have a lot of passion within that community are now going to go away and will go away in the future, which is a little frustrating. I don't like that. But to your point, the separation we're starting to see, I think is good for college football because now we are starting to see the teams and the programs who care about college football and going all in and the teams and the programs that don't. And that's fine. If you're not all in, that's no problem. But like you said, we're especially in college football the last, let's say 15 years, it's been a big divide between the haves and the have nots. And that's kind of made most of these seasons not exciting because we already know now in August who the four, five, six teams that are going to compete for a title are. But now with more alignment, with more programs joining together in a conference, I think eventually we'll get to 50, 60 programs breaking away, doing their own sort of uh, league with their own cultural playoff and their own rules. And that is where I think cultural play is going to be better because now you're going to have everyone aligned. The budgets are going to be near the same. The motivation is going to be the same. I think it's going to make a better product because you're going to have all these schools together that are all in on football and it'll make uh, and create more parity, which you think is overall better for the game. Right. And so we'll talk about the, uh, you know, the teams that are going to make it into the playoffs this year. Cause like I said, we kind of already know it's, right. it's pretty crazy. Um, and in terms of realignment, and I'm, uh, this, this, is, this is kind of a twofold, twofold thing. When this was all announced, uh, when the Texas Oklahoma news was announced, um, and the Big Ten, the Pac-12, and uh, the ACC had this like little like, oh, we're gonna merge together. Uh, my uncle, big Michigan fan, uh, and I told him straight up, like, if if the Big Ten does not make a move, the Big Ten is gonna die, uh, because the SEC is not satisfied with a two-person conference. They want everything for themselves. And if the Big Ten was just gonna let them do it. They were just going to do it, and in 2027, Ohio State would be in the SEC West. Like that would be how it goes. Uh, the Big Ten makes their move, obviously, and we saw from the commissioner uh, last week they're not done. They've already said we are we are continuing to go. Uh, I would say Notre Dame is definitely on the table. I think that's going to happen pretty soon. Um, Washington and Oregon, I think, are just a matter of time. Um, and then if the if the Big Ten was smart. Uh, they need to go after some schools in the Southeast, not in the SEC, but in Clemson, Florida State, Miami, uh, because from the moves that are being rumored right now for the SEC, it definitely feels like the SEC, while they're, they'll be okay with a Big Ten SEC mega conference college playoff thing on their own, they would like it to be just the SEC. The Big Ten has to put themselves in position to counter that. So, as a Big Ten fan, would you agree that no, Clemson should not be off the table? Or Florida State, UNC, those should not be off the table? Oh, 100%. I think for me, looking at it, especially from the Big Ten's perspective, but I think all of college football, Notre Dame, I think, is going to be the next one that makes the move. I think that's the one that's truly going to kind of either keep college football somewhat normal or just totally dismantle. Because if you look at Notre Dame where they are right now, right, they've really wanted three options. They can go to the Big Ten, and I think just in going to the Big Ten, dismantle the ACC and then really cement what is going to be basically an AFC and an NFC conference in the Big Ten and the SEC. That's going to be a wildfire uh, from there in terms of everyone scrambling to join one of the two conferences. So they can join the Big Ten, and I think in the progress, if you if they leave the ACC, right, I know they're not full-time members now, but they have the partnership at least, so you can still kind of keep that afloat. If they leave, if Notre Dame leaves, if you're Clemson, 
What's the motivation? What's the incentive to say when you are then the flag bearer for the conference? Miami and Florida say the same thing. Like there's really not a lot of motivation to stay because your grant of rights and your media rights are locked in. You lose a big time, big time national brand in Notre Dame. And you're not, you know, the money divide is going to continue to grow with TV revenue between the SEC, the Big Ten and everyone else. You got to run, save yourself. So Notre Dame could go to the Big Ten, dismantle the ACC. They can stay independent, say what they have now. And I still think keep the ACC alive, like keep them, you know, on their uh, almost a ventilator, if you will. Mm -hmm. Because at least if you're Clemson, if if you're Miami, you could sell yourself. Okay, you know what? They're still part of us. We can, you know, keep this going and maybe convince them. Uh, to one day join full-time or they could join full-time. And then I think what would create a third super conference, because then all of a sudden the ACC gets a lot more attractive. If you have Notre Dame as a full-time member, if you're ESPN and TV partner, obviously that's still a national brand. They've been really competitive. They made two cultural playoffs last think four years. So they have still, you know, they still have so much relevancy where for me, Notre Dame is going to be the domino that really kind of, changes or, or cements the direction college football is going in. I don't think any move is made before that, Matt. Maybe I'm wrong, but like I, I know agree. the big Ten rumored Oregon, Washington, Miami, Florida State. They could get those schools after Notre Dame. And if Notre Dame does decide to leave and goes to the Big Ten, I don't think they go to the SEC, but then it's a lot easier to get schools to join as well. So I think for me, I will, I would be very shocked if we have another movement I think conferences, that's not Notre Dame first. It could be two weeks. It could be two years. I would be right. very surprised though if the next move is not Notre Dame making one of the three moves to the Big Ten, stay where they are currently, kind of status quo, or go full-time to the ACC. Listen, I agree with you because I've been told that Washington Oregon have been talked to the Big Ten, but the Big Ten has already said, listen, we're waiting for Notre Dame to make their decision. Right. If, I mean, there's a report that, what, I think the next day after USC yeah. and UCLA came out, like they're already on the phone trying to like – jump ship as fast as possible. So yeah, if, if the Big Ten wanted them, they could have had them when they made the USC. And uh, ab- absolutely, absolutely. And, and I agree with you because Notre Dame is the only billion dollar team left. Yes. Right? Like, and not, not like, you know, and it's not like a hyperbole. Like, no, they are actually worth a billion dollars. Like that's yeah. that's the value of Notre Dame. Um, they are the only team that can really keep the ACC alive. And I'm with you. If, if they go to the ACC, uh, I think they should have to fully go in. If they, if they just stay independent, that's kind of like, um, you know, that, that's, let them die by doing nothing, right? Because eventually Clemson, Miami, um, Florida State, those schools will all eventually pick a side uh, and the ACC will die. If Notre Dame goes to the Big Ten, which it seems like that's going to be the way it goes. Yeah, that's going to be the first time in the fall, and that's what's going to create this two, uh, this two power conference. If they go to the ACC, that kind of does keep it alive. And I think almost kind of halts this round of realignment for the next five years. Kind of like we saw back in 2011, 2012, when they were doing that realignment. Like, all of a sudden, like the, the teams kind of fell where they, where they were, and we were done for now. If Notre Dame goes to the ACC, we're done for now. I still think in 20 years, you know, we're, we're, due, we're having this discussion again about how there's two power conferences. But you're right. Notre Dame is the next domino. Um, and honestly, I, I'm so excited to see where this goes. You know, I know for a lot of local fans, I know for a lot of fans of smaller schools, um, like I, I've already joked that. Uh, Washington State is the 2027 Mountain West champion because <laughs> they're that's small school. You know, I know yeah. it, it, they're in the Pac-12, but they have like 35,000 people in attendance uh, max. You know, they're they're worth really like under 100 million dollars. Like that is a that's Boise State. You know, like, mm-hmm. sorry guys, like you're like those teams, them Oregon State, they're going to be on the outside looking in. Um, and I and I agree with the number two. I've I've been told 50, 50 is around the number they're going for. And when you kind of look at the schools in terms of, um. 
the money they bring in, which is the first, the most important thing, the money they bring in, the value of the team, and the players they send to the send to the league, there really is only about 51, 52 teams that even matter. Uh, so, and when we have that separation and we have this, you don't want to call it major minor league, it's not. You have like this semi-professional league in whatever the SEC Big Ten is, uh, and then the league below it. I think the league below it becomes much more interesting because that's going to be old school college football the way it was 30 years ago. And the purists can watch that, love that. I'll even watch that and enjoy it. But the for the rest of the country, because college football is so localized and you want to make it more national, that's going to bring college ball to a even bigger height. And honestly, if, if I'm a if I'm another league, if I'm baseball or if I'm basketball or I'm hockey, I'm praying the NCAA or just college ball itself screws us up, right? Because the minute college actually gets their shit together uh, and they cr- and they really eliminate all these extra cooks in the kitchen, which has really been college's biggest problem since their inception, right? It was all these conference uh, commissioners, all these guys at the NCAA, no one can get on the same fucking page. Um, and that's why we see these slow, um, slow changes and slow progressions in the sport. Once you eliminate that and it's just to be one or two guys in the kitchen, I think you see college explode, well, which is insane. Point. Like, look at the college football playoff expansion. I think it's pretty much unanimous for the most part, or at least a majority. Fans want to see some sort of expansion. The teams, well, that's a whole other argument. But expand or not to expand, I would say probably 90% of fans say expansion. But then to your point, okay, so in order to get expansion done, you need all 10 conference commissioners plus Notre Dame to be in agreement. So you need the SEC, the Big Ten, and like the MAC conference and the Mountain West conference all to be on the same page when in reality, as we know, they have no chance. Akron, no disrespect to, to you. Tulane, I'm sorry. Like they are, they just cannot compete right now in today's day age college football, but we need their approval. We need their vote in order to expand the college football playoff that in reality, they're going to have no part, uh, no part in. Like it makes to your point, it makes zero sense to have too many cooks in the kitchen. How you have this great divide in college football in Division One, and yet we still need everyone on the same page in order to to come together to vote on a you know a uh, expansion format. It makes no sense. So that's what we're talking about. You go to fifty or sixty schools, everyone's aligned. Maybe you, you create a college football commissioner or a, you know a president, and all of a sudden, next thing you know, right? There's two or three people making a decision where everyone for the most part is on the same page and in at least the same ballpark when it comes to resources with, that makes a lot more sense. And then it makes the other half of college football more competitive too. Because now if you're Tulane, okay, I, I don't know what you want to call You know, you said major, major league, minor league, whatever they want to call the divide, right? I mean, right now we have one double A and just, you know, division one, whatever it is, all of a sudden now, if you're Tulane, if you're San Diego State, if you're Akron, you have a chance to win a title. Like you have a better chance then than you would right now. So like right. I think it does to your point. It, it benefits everyone, and it at least finally makes decision making so much more streamlined and easier because everyone is on the same page, whatever league you're in. Right, and like I, I've I've had this conversation before about um you know like NFL Game Pass, right, which has like the ability to to rewatch games all the way back to like 2009. Now that product has gotten worse and worse every year it goes on, so it's, it's not a great analogy anymore. But when it first came out, I was I always said like I would love to see this for college. You know, I'd love to watch college games from ten years ago, or or hell, had the coaches film from college games right. last year. Like, I, uh, and I would I would talk to people around the league about that and say like there's, there's no chance that happens under this current format because you know 
nine conferences can be aligned, and then the Big Ten can be like, I don't want no. My, our Iowa coach is afraid you're going to figure out his basic ass uh, uh, formations <laughs> if we all get coaches tape. Like, um, but once we get to a, uh, you know, everyone's in lockstep, and you have that, you know, one or two guys up top, you can start to see these things come around, and you could see better things for fans, and you could see more things for for entertainment, and you could see the value uh, of this already very popular uh, game go much higher. And bringing it to the playoffs. Since since the inception of this playoffs, right in 2014, uh, which was no very much needed because the old <laughs> system was terrible, um, we have seen 13 teams. Right, 13 of the 130 teams have been in the playoffs. Most of them only once. Really, it's been you know some combination of Alabama, Georgia, uh, Ohio State, Clemson, uh, and that's really been it. Just compare that to the NFL, right? Which is the NFL is a more national league compared to college is a more local league, right? Um, the NFL has had 23 of the 32 teams in the playoffs since 2019. So you're, these teams, these fan bases, are have a reason to buy in every year. You know, like, I'm not a fan of, of of the Akron Zips. I would have no idea what I'm buying into every year. Right? Because like, you're, if you're not one of these 13 teams, right? You're 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 not in it, and you're you're never going to be in it. Uh, and honestly, it makes the sport boring, right? It, because I agree. And, and like you're in you're in daily sports radio, so you understand like the kind of trends. Um, people love to see giants be built, and they love to see giants be taken down, right? But in the middle of that, while the giants are just kind of reign supreme, it gets very boring, right? Like when you like when you think about like uh, the Golden State Warriors, right? The best part of the Golden State Warriors was them becoming the Golden State Warriors, and then them losing to Cleveland, right? right. Because but in the middle, when they were just dominating, it was like, oh right, yeah, like that's cool, but like no one's talk about this. The longer Alabama and Ohio State and Georgia stay at the top and don't get challenged by anybody, the longer this thing dies, right? The, the, the quicker this thing dies. Um, and I think the college football's inability to change quickly is actually leading to these realignments. Uh, it's really the NCAA has no one to blame but themselves because if they oh. were actually proactive and made changes appropriately and didn't drag their feet on everything, we would probably still have a pretty basic, you know, uh, college ball format, but because they just drag their feet on everything, it really forced these conferences to make their own league. Um, and I don't think anyone would disagree that the NCAA is their own worst enemy. Oh, the, I, God, I can go on a whole show about the NCAA and just all their follies and mess ups. I, I hate them, man. And it sounds like you do too. I mean, most people do. They, they are like you said, they're their own worst enemy. But at least, I mean, that's why I like NIL. That's why I do like cultural platform expansion. Because I think those two areas specifically do promote parity. Like now, if you have 12 teams making the playoff every year, even if only, let's say, five or six can truly win a title and good enough, but you have 12 teams making a playoff, well, now if you're a four- or five-star recruit, you can sell kids if you're Tennessee, if you're Michigan State. And hey, we can be a playoff team and you can start year one instead of going to Alabama or Georgia, sitting two or three years and then playing, you know, right away. And we're playing, I should say, later on, you know, after two or three guys in front of you go to the NFL in the first round, like we've seen each right. every year. Like you can sell kids on playing earlier, getting money to play earlier, build their brand and also be competitive and make a playoff spot. So I'm really hoping expansion when it does come down helps grow parity and NIL too. I mean, look, we kind of joke about it, but. Alabama, AM, they can't pay everyone. And so now right. like, if you have teams going all in on maybe one or two guys and you pull them away, even if it's a small in the beginning, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State get one or two less five stars a year. 
again, you start to add that up over a few years. That is a difference. And now whether it's an injury, whether it's graduation, those teams are not as deep and they can't reload as quickly as they have in the past. And it does promote more parity. So fingers crossed, Matt, like you said, we need, we, we can't be sitting here on August 2nd knowing basically five or six teams that are locks to make the playoffs in one iteration or another, and then kind of whittling it down from there. We, we need more of a bigger pool of 20, 25, 30 schools, uh, you know, in a given year that say, oh, yeah, they, things go their way. They can be a playoff team, which right now that's absolutely not the case. Right. So that's a, that's a great segue looking over the playoffs for this upcoming season. So I was looking at the teams, the, the top six teams from a bunch of people that, that, I, that I trust and I think are pretty good. Uh, and there were eight teams total, right? Of like, which, is, which is nuts. Like, there are only eight teams of the 130 that people are like, yeah, these teams might have a shot. And really when you dive into it, it's really three. And like one team's going to have the luxury of getting their absolute ass beat by Alabama. Uh, but really, it's Alabama, it's Ohio State, it's Georgia. And then like you're looking at what, Michigan, Notre Dame, uh, Clemson, which is not the same Clemson team from a few years ago, nope. uh, and then like you know we have that that one random team, Utah, uh, and then maybe A and M, right? Like that that's that's like the entire landscape. But when you look at it, when you actually dive into these teams, uh, which I, I did before coming onto the show, um, it's Bama, then like a space, and then Georgia, Ohio State, and then whoever happens to to survive from that group, right? Like we could say. If you're just looking at it, it's probably gonna be Notre Dame, probably gonna be Utah, right? Because they don't, uh, they really don't have the same kind of uh, uh, people in the way for them getting that perfect record. Because you're gonna have to get a perfect record, right, to to be that fourth spot. Bama can get in with with one loss or two losses. Ohio State can get in with one loss as long as it's not to Michigan, uh, and Georgia can get in uh, with one loss as long as it's to Alabama. Um, everyone else has to go undefeated to get that last spot. Right, like Notre Dame can't go with one with one loss. Uh, neither can Utah, uh, and really neither can A and M. A and M would have to be the SEC champion uh, to get into mm-hmm. the, to get into the playoff. Um, the fact that we're already here, uh, and we said Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia. Is there anyone that I haven't mentioned where you're like, yeah, but but not like just a chance for the playoffs, right? Like a chance to actually compete for a title because really outside of those three teams, I, I just don't see that. Chance for a title, no. Like I think it's Alabama. I think small space. I'll put Ohio State above Georgia, and I have them like pretty close to Bama, and then have another space with Georgia. I'll put Utah and Georgia on the same plane. Really? Uh, I'm not buying into. Yeah, I like the Utahs here, and maybe this is just me trying to like force a new team in there and really kind of buying the like hype. It. But this team is good. They have you know a favorable schedule. They have USC, which is going to be the biggest roadblock and challenger at home, which, you know, their stadium rice cycles is so hard to play in and so hard to win in. Uh, and then believe that's late October. So you think the weather is going to be, you know, colder. It's going to be nastier there. So it's going to be tough for an air raid kind of offense in USC to, to compete. Um, but I like Ohio state. I'm really starting to buy into a lot more, but again, this is, I still think it's Alabama. I would be very surprised, very shocked, actually, if Alabama's not your champion just because you have two of the best players in college football in the quarterback and Bryce Young and the linebacker Will Anderson coming back. They're motivated. Like you have a Nick Saban team that is one of the few times in his career can kind of play with a chip on their shoulder. Right. I know he always tries to motivate them, but they actually truly do, you know, can come in pissed off and upset, which is a dangerous combo. Look, if I'm Jimbo Fisher, I'm not even sure if I'm taking the field this year against Alabama. I think that's going to get be very ugly. Man, um, I think this is Alabama's here. I hate to say it. I, I agree with you. Like they, they're a, a complete team, uh, or as complete as the you no, know, as you can be 
uh, and or as complete as New York compared to Georgia and Ohio State. Because Ohio State has just an electric offense right now, but their defense is full of like unproven, really talented players. Uh, and then Georgia is again uh, kind of the same, not, not the same kind of offense. Like they have um, not the same explosiveness, but they have a, uh, maybe a little bit better on defense. Uh, but we know it's it's offense that drives the ship. And Ohio State's offense is much better than than Georgia, and I think Alabama mm-hmm. though is, has the same level of offense with a better defense, right? Proven defense than Ohio State, and then you look at the rest of these teams, and like none of them compare offensively to those two teams. And um, we talked about before too, like reloading. Like you mentioned, Michigan, Notre Dame. Like I can't even really trust like that. I don't like, think Michigan's going to be like back to where they were last year. I think there's like another oh, eight, no. four, nine and three team. I I um really expect Ohio State to absolutely beat the crap out of Michigan. Same. Like, I, I, like, if this is within 20 points, I will be surprised because Michigan has to win a shootout. It's it's not going to be a 21-17 uh, Michigan-Ohio State game uh, as long as long as the uh, conditions are favorable, right? Like, if it's a blizzard or it's a monsoon, then, yeah, maybe it, it becomes like a drag-out fight between the two. But this Ohio State team is just loaded offensively. Um, and there's no amount of defense that that Michigan's going to put up to, to stop this team from scoring a good number of points. And even if that was the case, Michigan has not even like unproven pass rushers, uh, guys that aren't even that highly touted. Uh, right. So it's, it's not the same defense as last year. Um, you lose your defense so, coordinator back yeah. down and goes to the Ravens too. It, they've yeah. And, and then you have really no team. true impact by receiver yet. Right. So it's really, do you trust Cade McNamara to, to, to beat Ohio state by himself? No. Uh, I don't know if I trust Cade McNamara to be Penn State by himself. Uh, so, like, no, no, no offense. What, what, what is that? No offense. Uh, but yeah, like it's 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 really is. Um, and then Clemson, you know, Clemson, Clemson might make it in because the ACC is pretty soft. But that that team is bad. That's a bad team. Clemson to me is one of the most intriguing teams I have my eye on, and not because I don't think they're I don't think they're a playoff team this year personally, but I'm just fascinated to see. All right, DJ Uyungle had a brutal 2021 year. And now, I mean, you go into the preseason, there's more talk about his backup, Cabe Klubnik, coming in and playing and some sometime replacing him. So there's already going into the year, before you even play a game, anticipation of DJ Uyungle going to the bench. To your point, that's the biggest difference in college football, too, is the teams that stay on the top and teams that have, you know, one or two-year wonders and can't sustain it is the ability to load up. Clemson is not recruiting at the same pace as Alabama, as Georgia, as Ohio State are every year. So it gets harder and harder for them to continue to stay up top and replace graduates or players that get injured. You saw last year they got you know a ton of injuries and they couldn't sustain it. And now it's like the offense, is it going to be that much different? The offensive line has never been great at Clemson, no matter who was quarterback. That Usually the quarterback you know masked some of, of their deficiencies. And now if you can't run the ball, they're going to have a great defense, an absolute great defense. Oh, yeah, the defense is solid. But NC State's going to put up some points. Wake Forest is going to put up some points. Like, I'm with the ACC stinks, but even with that said, I don't think Clemson's going through it undefeated. Yeah, no, I'm. I'm I would say I could. I could see it because the ACC just seems to have a way to beat defeat themselves. Uh, and Clemson has bad had bad teams that have just kind of like strolled through. But I agree, it's uh, the quarterback. It's not the same quarterback play as Watson and and Lawrence. No. Like, no, they they. Uh, he's, it's just not going to be the same. So, it. I, I just I hate that we already know. Like you know that we're we're it's it's August second, uh, so we're coming on August third, um, and we know it's going to be Ohio State, it's going to be Georgia, it's going to be Alabama, and then we get to maybe root for some team to get the fourth spot, to to get absolutely shellacked by Alabama because that's 
It's where we're going. It's 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 amazing. And that's the thing too. It's like I, I'm really tr- like I hate going chalk. So I'm always like, all right, who can like make a you know surprise run? We saw like even like last year, Oklahoma State like was number five and was one Big Twelve. You know, was really two yards away from maybe making a playoff. But then to your point, now even with just four teams, when it's so small. Now, even just the bar from making the playoff and winning a title, it's still so drastic to where it's like, sure, like could Oklahoma, like could a Big 12 team, could Oklahoma have a better year than anticipated, win the Big 12, maybe go 12 and, you know, 13 and 0 or 12 and 1 and be right there? Yeah. Okay. They can make the playoff, but also then making the playoff is one thing. Then could they beat Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia? Absolutely not. Like they're nowhere near it. So even when you get down to the final four, it's still like the gap is so wide between top two or three teams, you know, in a given year and everyone else, it's just, it's, inv- it's furiating. Right. So and also and, we get and some also, sort of parody soon. And I think you know, to your point about this, why I also want to expand the playoffs is not because you know, people, because people are going to use this argument against the playoffs, right? Like, well, you know, if there's only three teams. Like why should we make it eight? Right. Uh, because when you make, when you give that extra round, you allow these teams that maybe just snuck in to get hot. Right. Like you look at some of the teams that have won the Super Bowl in the past, a lot of them are wild card teams. They were not as good. Like you know, this I'm from New York. You're from New York. Uh, the New York Giants, right? That the, the 2007 New York Giants. Uh, you drop that 07 New York Giants to the conference championship game against the Packers. They don't win that game, week one. They have to beat Tampa. They have to beat Dallas right. to get to that game to be to really be on a roll to beat Green Bay to then get to the playoffs. The Super Bowl to, to beat New England, right? If you just drop a wild card team in and have him play the Chiefs, right? If you just take the Bengals and just drop them against the Chiefs last year, they don't beat the Chiefs. They have to go through that grind. They have to get hot to beat that better team. Also, you have to give this better team a few chances to lose, right? Because yeah. like, you know, if Alabama, well, as we've seen, if Alabama plays 13 games, they might lose one, right? So, you know, if you're only giving Alabama two games, you're probably going to win both. Right, it's almost almost guaranteed. Uh, you have to go and and make it four games to, to win a championship. And uh, at this point, we need to stop with the bullshit of that of it saying like, oh well, you know, this interferes with their schooling. If it was interfering with schooling, we wouldn't have games on Thursday night at nine p.m. or twelve or ten p.m. Like very true. Or or they would actually have chances to like study and and not be stuck in a in a practice field for for twelve hours a day. Um, we need to move past that that argument, but. Ryan, I appreciate you coming on. Where can uh, the guys find your stuff? Where can my audience find find you? Well, thanks for having me, Matt. I uh, work at CBS Sports Radio, so you can make sure to check us out there. I uh, host my own show every Saturday morning, 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. Eastern. So if you're up late, maybe a late Friday night, you know, coming back and listen to some sports talk, I'll be with you right there every Saturday morning. But also on Twitter, at Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three. Give a lot of uh, college football takes on there. Rooting, you'll probably see my... Uh, preseason hype for Penn State and then watch me decombust and, and crumble in probably October like has happened uh, on par the last few years. So if you want to see a man kind of just just crumble and wilt right in front of your eyes in about two months, if you follow me on Twitter, you will be able to, to see that for you in person. And I'm sure if it's not, if you're not a Penn State fan, you will enjoy that as well. Dude, I, I love it. And I, I can always imagine like some really, really hungover drunk guy in, in, in Brooklyn with like a with this a fucking bodega sandwich at three a.m. listening to you on the radio, he's like, you know what? Yeah, fuck the NCAA, and just have it <laughs> drop all over his chest. So, listen, if that's not like a good time to you, you know, check into uh, CBS Sports Radio Saturday at two o'clock in the morning because honestly, that's a good time to me. Ryan, thanks so much, dude. Matt, thanks so much for having me, man.
Thanks again to Ryan Hickey for coming on. You can follow him at Ryan Hickey underscore three. Uh, and definitely check out the Zach Gelb show on CBS Sports Radio and definitely catch Ryan's uh, weekend show two to six on Saturday mornings. Awesome interview. But now let's go from the bigger picture to kind of a, uh, more of a micro look into it. Really look at the players involved. I had a great opportunity to talk with defensive tackle from Western Michigan, Hoshi Hashibadri. Awesome dude. Don't be surprised if his name starts coming up in 2023 draft conversations. Here's Hosey Hajibadri. All right, we welcome in Western Michigan defensive lineman, Hosey Hajibadri. Hosey, how you doing, man? Good, man. How you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good, man. I'm, I'm right we're getting pretty close to the season, both college and NFL. So um, it's that, that preseason jitters where I'm like, I'm, I'm ready to go, but also not ready to be locked in the basement for the next five months of my life, breaking down film. No, right. you, you're a little different. You actually have to go out there and play. So I think you, know, you probably have the, have the tougher job, man, but yeah, yeah, you can say that, yeah. <laughs> but man, I'm so interested in talking to you because you have a hell of a story. You know, mm-hmm. you're going to your, uh, your, your final season in college. Now uh, you are a, uh, a draft prospect uh, and, a, and a really unique player. But I kind of want to introduce people to you because, you know, they may not have, have heard of you right away because uh, you know, you're playing at Western Michigan. And, uh, and unfortunately, as, as you know, some five players, I like, just don't get the love they deserve. Uh, you'll see like third string guys at, at, at power five schools getting ranked above, you know, third year starters at at group of five schools. And it's just and it's, it's not right. So, you know, we're going to shed some line on that first. But um, from you growing up in Virginia to where you are now, Western Michigan. Uh, I know you you had to battle a lot of adversity to get where you were, yeah. right? Because coming out of out of high school, you were planning to go to uh, West Virginia, right? Correct. Yep. And what happened there? Uh, yeah. So basically, um, I'll say this: the first couple years of high school, I didn't really take school all that serious, uh, and that's just being a young guy who, honestly, I didn't think I'd go that far with football. Um, up until I started having Division One coaches coming into the school and, you know, my head coach pulling me out in between classes and saying, or, you know, the coaches, the D1 coach or whoever it may be, uh, came and, you know, they were intrigued by me and they liked how I played. But it was always the grades, you know, and um, I mean, they'd all come in and say the same thing. I mean, they'd literally have my transcript in their hand. They're like, hey. This is unacceptable, unacceptable. And um, I had a couple even tell me, like, look, like, I like you a lot, but I can't even show my head coach this. You know what I'm saying? Um, that kind of got to me. So uh, what happened is my last two years of high school, you know, I, I decided to, like, kind of turn it up a little bit, you know, academically. Um, so, I mean, and I did great, man. Uh, my senior year, I was on the honor roll and, um you know, I had a great couple years football wise and uh, but I was just off, I'd say about 40 points on the SAT. And, you know, I was already enrolled into West Virginia. And I mean, I was it, I took I took the last uh, the last SAT day. I took him throughout the year, but uh, my core GPA was low. And, you know, I had to match the sliding scale of the NCAA at the time and um, I was just off and, you know, I was devastated and um, my family was upset, but, you know, it, things happen and I believe things happen for a reason. And, uh, you know, I ended up taking the JUCO route, went to JUCO, I had a great time, became a, 
uh, two-time all-conference player, did a bunch of great things, um, you know, eventually committed to East Carolina, did good things at East Carolina, uh, you know, started a few games, was a team captain, and uh, here I am now, so. Yeah, man, and listen, you you weren't just uh, some no-name recruit coming out of out of Virginia. You were a three-time letter winner uh, in, in high school, and uh, so right. you were you were a big-time guy. Uh, and then you know you come play JUCO at, uh, in in Brooklyn for a, for a ma- for a major uh, JUCO school, man. Yeah. Which probably I live in New York, so we're not that far from where, where you played uh, played some JUCO ball, man. Right. What was your experience like in New York, man? Did you like it? Uh, man, I'll tell you what, man. I still talk to my teammates uh, from junior college till this day. We have a group chat, and uh, it was just like it just clicked, man. I mean, we, I got there and everything just felt right. You know, I'm a city guy. So I love, love, love New York. I love the city. It's, it's literally like a second home to me. Um, big Yankees fan, you know? Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, it was just great, man. My experience was great. I met a lot of, a lot of cool people made a lot of great relationships. And, um, honestly, I'm really blessed to have gone through that. So like I said, everything happens for a reason. And, um, that was just a great experience for me. And obviously I wouldn't have had that if I did end ended up going to West Virginia. So, you know, it's, it was definitely a blessing in disguise at the time. Right. So when you do leave Juco, you're finally getting some respect from the recruiting agencies. You got a three-star attached to your name, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, like, not sure how, how accurate these reports are, but there are talks of like Tennessee, Oregon state, West Virginia's back in the mix talking to you. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, and as soon as you go, you go ECU, uh, overall mm-hmm. and um when you go ecu like what, what was what was the big thing with ecu uh over like guys like buffalo or uab yeah so uh so you know i mean i took some visits and uh you know i enjoyed all those schools man it was great visits uh but the thing that stuck out to me is um the potential you know east carolina they they've always had a like a tough hard nose type you know, brand to them. Uh, they've always been in that type of category and growing up. Uh, that's one thing I knew too. So, um, you know, and it was great. The system was at the time, you know, I, I, I thought I would thrive in it. And, uh, you know, it was, it was, it just felt right. You know, sometimes you get to a place and you just feel like, Hey, like, I feel like I'm at home. And, uh, that's, that's, that's what it felt like. I mean, I took two official visits to East Carolina. The first one was, uh, with the, with uh coach Montgomery's staff um and then they ended up being fired and the new staff obviously coach Houston which is a great guy um you know and his staff and uh so it both times I mean I'm like shoot like I can't ask for anything else so uh you know it, it just kind of clicked you know it's kind of hard to explain and um so it was good yeah and you 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 know uh Contribute almost immediately, being in part of that defensive line rotation, and then 2020. Y'all know what 2020 was like with, with the COVID year. You you started as a team captain. You started two games, yeah, uh, and then it led to you going to the transfer portal. Was it just? Right. It, it's like it's like you just decided that wasn't wasn't the place. Or just it you know, schemes changed, coaches changed, some, yeah. some along the lines of that. Uh yeah. So uh you know coaches did change. You know I had I mean I had two different D coordinators, two different D line coaches. Uh, so it, it, the schemes of course changed, but, um, you know, that was part of it. I mean, I was a, a nose guard and a three down. Right. And you're only like two seventy five, right? Like you're not that big of a dude. 
at the time I was like 270, 275 max. I mean, I'm 285 now, but there you go. Time, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So at the time, uh, you know, that was the situation. Um, but I mean, you know, I took pride in being, I still take pride in being a really tough guy. And I mean, yeah, uh, that's one thing that that stood out to the coaches. I mean, immediately, you know, uh, so I didn't mind playing that nose, um, but it did limit me to do the things that I want to do. And, you know, that those are things that I feel like I could really, really help the team win uh, some games. And, um, you know, so it just, it, it just wasn't the fit for me, you know? Right. Um, just a bunch of craziness. And I, I had, uh, I had talked to, to my family and, you know, some people and, I mean, it just, you know, decided to to go ahead and transfer and be a grad transfer uh, for my final year. So, uh, yeah, right. that was a deal. Listen, that, that stuff happens, man. Like, I've, yeah, I've yeah. been around college ball for a while. Like, you know, a new coach comes in, you know, you're not that guy's guy. You know, he didn't he didn't recruit you. Uh, like, that just happens. Or, mm-hmm. um, and I, I've been a coach where we've put, uh, you know, our, our smallest guy or our quickest guy in nose tackle, and it just mm-hmm. hinders his ability, right? Because you're you win with initial quickness and motor, right? That's like, that's that's your game. Uh, And although at 270, um, you can still do it. You're taking on double teams all the time. Like that's, it's hard to get initial quickness off a double team. Like you're just, you got to really be stout and you got to be tough, which you did. Like to your credit, you kicked some ass when you were doing it. But like you're, the the things you did best, you couldn't utilize at that nose tackle spot all the time. So I totally understand uh, the moving to, to a different, to a different place. Uh, yeah. which ended up being uh, Western Michigan. And again, like you, you hit the, the, uh, the transfer portal, which is really like, you know, God's gift to college athletes at this point, the transfer yeah. portal is it because it, it evens the playing field, right? Like coaches have been able to leave and go places whenever they want. And like, and the kids couldn't, now you guys can, you can pick the best spot for yourselves. Uh, and you had a lot of people, a lot of teams, a lot of big time teams coming to you. Why did you choose Western Michigan? over maybe a power five school yeah so man i mean literally like, like the first thing that comes to my mind is um the system and just the the situation as a whole that i'm currently in i mean shoot coach d and coach espo uh i mean they shot me straight and i mean man i, I mean a lot of guys in this business um they tend to kind of beat around the bush with the coaches I have here. I mean, literally all the coaches, uh, they've been honest for me since day one. And, um, I mean, everything they say is, is legit. And I mean, shoot, I love playing for them. They're great coaches. Uh, they're going to be really successful. And, uh, you know, that was, so that was one of the motives, just, just the, the, the scheme and the situation as a whole, I felt like I'd fit really good. And, um, yeah, I mean, like I said, it's it's everything they said it would be, and shoot, I'm super excited to be here. Yeah, and then yeah, kind of continuing this this trend of like just you having to face adversity. You come to watch Michigan tear your ACL in March, like or March February, like around that around that time, you miss yeah. the whole season. Like that's yeah. and like again, it just seems like um, and and this is why I think that uh, you're going to be fine, you know, at at the next level. You, you keep battling, you keep battling back. What whether it's self-inflicted like your grades early on in your career or just injury because you know at some point in a professional athlete's career they're going to have to face adversity and they're going to have to figure out how they handle it you've already faced it multiple times right (laughs) yeah 
with 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 the grades with the uh i think ecu were like you know this the, the situation changed for you and then your injury western michigan and now you're you're back here again western michigan slay to start at like that three tech uh you know maybe kind of taking occasionally over to like a five tech but yeah. that that spot that really should uh highlight your skills you're you're back at it again which is just so impressive um and something that i know scouts look for in guys because you know not everyone is blessed with you know a holy not a size right or right. like an aaron donald speed most right. of the league isn't 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 blessed with that right it's the yeah. guys that are, are coming in and grinding and facing adversity and beating adversity uh those are the guys that stick around and be pros for for mm. a while man so um so that's like kudos for you on that. But let, let's yeah. bring it over to to now. Yeah. Uh, we know what you can you know what you can be. We know what you uh, how you play. How is the uh, injury rehab coming along? Because like I said, that first step quickness that you had uh, yeah. that you do have is is probably your best strength. How, do you yeah. feel like your explosiveness is back to where it was pre injury? Yeah. So um, obviously, the beginning of the year, um, I started getting back into the whole whole kind of grind. And, um, you know, of course, at first it was like a lot of ups and downs. Um, you know, we got into spring ball. Uh, I did really well at first. And then, uh, you know, from there on, I kind of had like, uh, you know, it was like an up and down roller coaster type of thing. But it's expected. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's that's what comes with injuries like this. So um, but I kind of throughout that time, uh, I kind of figured out my body. I'm like, OK, like. You know, I started being smarter. And uh, so this whole summer, I did certain things to work on, you know, back to where I need to be and even better uh, than, than where I was before the injury. Um, so that's what I did. And, and shoot, I'll tell you what, man, right now I feel the best I've been. And, you know, it, it's exciting uh, because, you know, we're about to start camp and we're about to, of course, uh, start the season here soon. And, um, so, you know, I'm not trying to get too ahead of myself. You know, I got I got to still be smart. But and that 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 just comes with being a veteran. And, um, you know, shoot, I'm excited. I'm, I'm blessed for sure. No question. Awesome, man. And I, I'm glad to see that you're already in your bulk up a little bit up to 285 because that's yeah. like probably the natural weight you're going to have to play uh, at, at the next level. So um, you know, what I, I know you can't work on everything mm. every year. Right. What, what was the thing that obviously rehabbing was number one? But what was there a certain skill you were working on over the course of the season? Was it like hand fighting? Was it pad level? Like what, what were you working on during during the year that you felt like you could be your next thing to to kind of yeah. master? Um, well, honestly, I've worked on a lot of things, but <laughs> but uh, you know, but that's just that's just me wanting to continue to improve because I mean, there's always room for improvement, no matter who you are. You know, I don't care how good you are or how bad you might think you are, you know, th there's just always room for improvement. So that's what I did. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, a couple things I, I worked on was my pass rush. Uh, man, I think if I, uh, you know, or I thought that if I really worked on it and, and really kind of added that strength, I've always been a decent pass rusher, but uh, I want to be, I want to be true way better than than where I used to be. So that's one thing I worked on a lot. And of course, hands and just getting out of my hips, you know, coming off an of injury, uh, like you said, explosiveness. Uh, that's one thing that um, you might lose for a little bit. But that's one thing I've been working on. And, and like I said, it's the best I've felt. 
And uh, I think I'm a, I think I'm a much better player um, even compared to even before I got hurt, you know, and that to just me being smarter, a smarter football player. Um, and yeah, I mean, just all those things combined. I think, I think I'm in a really good spot right now. That I'm happy to hear you talk about pass rushing. Cause like, even going back to your high school tape, like you could just beat guys just because of how quick you were, like that first yeah. step, like even going from, uh, you know, your natural spot of like of inside, even like, there were some plays you were playing outside where you, yeah. just, you know, just, just one, like one jab step tackle and just beat them inside and you just make them look stupid. So I'm happy to see that you're, you're putting more, even more time into it and, uh, like honing that craft because pass rushing is an art form. Like it's really about, uh, taking what the offensive line's given you and, and, and you know, using it against them and, and having, you know, moves and counter moves. It, it really is like one of the most, um, probably one of the hardest things to do. Is, is pass rushing. Yeah. It, it, everyone's saying it's like, oh yeah, just it's rushing the passer. It's it's not it's not mm-hmm. that. It, it's so much that goes into it. So I'm happy to see that you're you're doing it. Um, let's talk real quick about about Western Michigan, right? So mm-hmm. uh, I know you guys lost a bunch of stars on the D line, but it seems like you guys have already uh, reloaded there. And mm-hmm. uh, you also know you lost Sky Moore, who's going to hopefully be a great player with the Chiefs. Right. Uh, this seems like a pretty stacked MAC West division. How do you guys feel? You guys stack up. Uh, in this pretty heavy competition? Yeah, well, um, defensively, I mean, we return a lot of guys, you know, and I think that's going to be our strength. Uh, You know, I think we're good in a lot of spots as a team in general, but, you know, we're going to return a lot of guys. We got a lot of good players come back at the linebacker position, um, in the back end, safeties, corners. I mean, we got all conference-type guys literally everywhere. And even on the D-line, we got a couple dudes coming back that are all conference guys. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, we kind of, we kind of, I guess you could say reloaded, uh, on the defensive line. We lost a couple guys, uh, Ollie and Ralph, Ollie, who's, uh, who's with the Eagles now. And, um, and then you got Ralph who, who had a, had a good season in the USFL. So, um, you know, it's, it's really fun to be a part of this defense because of the talent we have and everyone uh, takes pride in doing their job and, you know, that's one thing I'll, I'll take pride in as well. So um, defensively, I think we're going to be really good. And, you know, offensively, too, I mean, we got some guys who who are going to be studs. And, I mean, there's never, never a question about effort with this team. I mean, everyone puts in f- extra work and uh, everyone wants to be great. So, um, you know, I'm just confident in our ability for sure. Ozzy, man, I appreciate the time, dude. I'm, good luck this season. I think you guys are going to do great. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thanks again to Hoshi Hashibadri for joining me. Best of luck to him and Western Michigan this year. It's going to be a hell of a, of a dogfight in the MAC, as it always is. Next week, we'll be talking uh, more NFL. We'll talk a bit about the Hall of Fame game. Uh, there's been a lot of injuries, a lot of injuries over the past few weeks, uh, past few days, really. Uh, and I'm sure there'll be more as we uh, kind of march towards the season. What kind of impact will that have on the team? What kind of impact will that have on their roster rankings? That study I did um, in in July, a bunch of players are already going down. Tim Patrick going down. Uh, Ryan Jensen going down. Guys like D4 getting cut. It's it. We are back. We are back in the full swing of things. Unfortunately, this is this is the worst time of the season. Um, it's really it's like it's the injury season, right? They're they're in this part of the preseason. A lot of guys going down. A lot of key players going down. Really really unfortunate. Uh, but it's going to have a massive impact on what the 2022 NFL season looks like. I'll see you guys next week. But until then, 
Good.